So our show is called A Song Can Change Your Life. And A, do you even believe that? Is that your phone ringing? It was, I will say. That's great. Off. She's fired, Jared. <laughs> She's fired. Can we get somebody else? Have you written any songs, Jared? Oh my goodness. Really Jared, I can't work like this. Can you call Mike? Maybe Mike has written a song that we could talk about. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Great. Alright, back at it. Three, two. Hi everyone, and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, a podcast where we talk with one songwriter about one of their songs one-on-one. Our show is powered by Home by Dark, a concert experience like no other. To learn how a song can change your life, visit homebydark.com. My name is James, and on this episode, I connected with the very creative and very talented Ernie Halter. Ernie has released seven albums, toured 50 states, and seen his popularity swell to more than a half million Twitter followers, 12,000 YouTube subscribers, and over 13,000 Facebook likes. Ernie has shared the studio and stage with folks like Jason Mraz, Lady Antebellum, Neil Young, Colby Calais, Sarah Bareilles, Justin Bieber, Katy Perry, and more. Well, Ernie and I had the chance recently to sit down after a Home by Dark show to talk about family, the music biz, and his inspiring and emotional song, Here and Gone. Watching lightning burn across the night Like the stars surrender to the light And I saw our lives flash before eyes And I Hey everybody, James back here again with you. We're uh, we're here with my buddy Ernie Halter, who is in town doing a Home by Dark show yes, last sir. night, and um, and just uh, we love Ernie. He's he's he hung out with us, uh, gosh, for a few years now, man. Am I in stereo? You're oh. uh, you're sort of <laughs> hello, hello. There's two of you. Hello, maybe. yeah, <laughs> that's scary. Uh, yeah, I, I love. I've told a million times, but. A lot of people listening to this don't know the story, but I found you. I found you <laughs> through uh, through YouTube. I didn't you know. exist, and yeah. Then, and then you found you did me. not exist in my world until someone sent me a. I think the headline, the the line, the message line was, "You got to see this." Right? <laughs> and so you um, you were taking requests from people on YouTube, cover songs that you you would do your interpretation of them, and so someone said, "Hey, I want to hear hear Ain't No Sunshine" by Bill Withers. And, and, I, and I'm prepared to watch this video going, oh, that's probably a good singer. And here's this guy with a washer and dryer. <laughs> and you're slamming doors and turning knobs. It's all percussion. And then this voice comes out, this soulful voice, and just kills me, man. And I think I played it 50 times. And, and, um, and back then, it was easy for me to message you through YouTube. And, and man, you responded, which, um, I, which is amazing to me that you would 
take time to respond to somebody doing that because it at the, even at the time it had thousands of views but um, you did and of so course now, now you're here man and i'm here in your in your in your library you're here in my library <laughs> and then talking in stereo on our podcast a song could change your life but, i love it um so you're in nashville now but um where did you grow up i grew up in orange county i grew up in tustin california you're Southern California boy. Southern California. And then I spent, um, after I, I went to school in Boston uh, for a couple of years. And you go to Berkeley? Berkeley. Oh, cool. Went to Berkeley for a couple of years. And then I um, moved back to Southern California. And then I lived in L.A., all sorts of parts of L.A. for about 10 years while I was on the road. Um, and now my wife and I, we live in Nashville. So where did where did music jump into the picture for you? Music has always been a part of my life since I was, since I can remember doing anything. I was plinking out notes and playing by ear on the piano. And then my parents put me through piano lessons. And then when I was in high school, I picked up a guitar and started just teaching myself how to play it through books because there was no YouTube there. But um, what prompted it though? Were your, were your parents musicians? My, or- um, I think my mom always wanted to play music, but had told herself that she. It was too late for her. So she poured all that eagerness of music into me and putting me through piano lessons and getting okay. excited about me and you know, me performing for her friends and right. all this kind of stuff. My mom, I, I thought she had a very capable ear. She could yeah. sing and she could sit down and play by ear at the piano fairly well without any training at all. If she had any kind of, I don't think she had the patience to learn it, but if she did, she would have been really great. And my dad was a machinist by trade. But when he was younger, he played the saxophone and uh, he started gigging actually quite a lot. He was <clears throat> from Eastern Europe. He's, he's German, but he lived in Yugoslavia. And so wow. he um, he played saxophone. His brother played accordion and um, they uh, they would they'd be in working like polka bands <laughs> and they'd play these five, six, seven hour wedding gigs and <laughs> beer hall gigs. Um, and he said that uh, he did it for a few years where he was... He was steadily working and he just, he, it wasn't for him. The lifestyle wasn't for him. The long hours, the, just, it wasn't his bag, but he had the ability for it, mm-hmm. but he just didn't have the passion for it. Yeah. So, so where did you transition from, uh, just being a musician to sort of catching the bug to, to write your own stuff? And was that really early or was that later on? I, I started writing when I was maybe 15 or 16, just to see if I could just try to, um, put a song together and uh, I was so frustrated by it for so long that around the time I was maybe early 20s I had just decided that I wasn't going to write I was going to focus strictly on being a, a musician for hire you were frustrated because you feel like what you were writing wasn't up to a, a standard that you thought was good or you just the I couldn't even write I, I just I was having a hard time even finishing anything. Right. And the things that I would work on were not that great. I just didn't have any, it just was really tough and mm-hmm. it still is tough, but it's, it's just something that I've had to keep at because I had friends that just straight up said, you're not going to stop writing. We're not going to let you mm-hmm. stop writing. Mm-hmm. This isn't an option for you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> and so I, um, a f- really good friend of mine, this girl named Faith Rivera, she's, who was a sweetheart, uh, who later 
continued songwriting, won an Emmy for songwriting, and she's just been really fantastic. But she was the main person that said, you are not going to stop writing. You have way too much potential to stop writing. So she she encouraged me to keep doing it. And I just, I kept writing bad songs and more bad songs and more bad songs. Mm-hmm. And then I um, I put together a record uh, called Low Fidelity, where I just, I had a, a stereo microphone like the one yeah. that we have here. And I set it up in my parents' bathroom, <laughs> so I, the house I was living in. <laughs> And I recorded the only songs that I had and like five more covers to make a full record. And then I pressed that and I started selling it on MySpace, which was becoming more popular. Um, And that was kind of what started me. Writing songs and performing them and having recordings had my friend not encouraged me to keep writing. And had I not made that record, I would just be, I would play coffee shops and I would just be singing covers and I would just probably be doing more and more of that Mm -hmm. without ever writing. Yeah. So that's how I got it. Man. Well, thank goodness for good friends. Yeah. And that prompts you. Um, so what, what, uh, what got you to Nashville? Um, a U-Haul that <laughs> had no suspension. <laughs> hey. No suspension. Um, followed by two uh, baby twin girls and, and my wife. But um, we, uh, when we found out the girls were coming, um, LA got really expensive. Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was already kind of just treading water barely in LA. Most of it was just to pay for the apartment that I was never in. So when we found out we were going to have the girls and then we found out we we're having twin girls, which was a surprise. We started looking at places that were more affordable to live because it just, it didn't make it didn't, it wasn't possible. It just wouldn't have been possible for us to stay. Um, and so I'd been to Nashville so many times and I liked it. I have good friends there. I just always felt kind of at home there. Um, but we looked at Atlanta and we looked at Charlotte and we looked at Indianapolis where my wife is from, looked at different places. So it was, so it was, it was, it was as equal lifestyle choice. For, a lot of people moved to Nashville because of the music community. Right. So for you, it was probably partly that, but but also not that much. Really. So it was more. I'm, I need a place to raise my family. It was it was ninety percent of that. Wow. The the music aspect of it is a bonus. Wow. And even and truth be told, I don't really do a lot in Nashville. Yeah. What I do in Nashville, I could do anywhere because a lot of it I do at home. I produce and I, I write. Although the co-writing aspect of it, of course, but I don't co-write a whole lot in Nashville. And I used to fly out to Nashville several times a year to write anyways. Mm -hmm. I could easily still do that. Um, But I enjoy the thing that I didn't know I would enjoy about Nashville is the community. Yeah. Even if I'm not out every night playing rounds and meeting people, the people that I do know, if anything happened, I would have a hundred people that would have my back in yeah. an instant. Musicians and non-musicians, just neighbors. I mean, like we had a flood in our house, our washer and dryer. <laughs> it all comes <laughs> back instruments. down to <laughs> my instruments. Yeah, one of them, one of them malfunctioned and flooded our like half of our house. Oh, no. And um, we had just neighbors immediately notice it that we wouldn't have noticed it. They, they caught it. They, I was on the road, so I wasn't even there to handle it. But they were like, just. People were there with buckets and towels and all that, oh, and I just I didn't I didn't see that in LA. Not to say that that couldn't exist. I don't want to hate on anyone yeah. that, that's um you know 
from back home, but I just I didn't get that sense of people have your back no matter what. Yeah, it's yeah. a small town, and and uh, and there's a yeah, it's it's a it's a friendly place, and I think you made a good choice. Yeah, I, I would think with your 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 life that Nashville that it is a nice bonus um, to have that sense of community, but also just being around because you, because you're a songwriter and um, to be around that environment and to be around you know how Nashville is you're person driving the cab or uber or whatever is, is a songwriter every single time <laughs> you know? every single time or a bass player yeah. every every time Everyone's a bass player. oh uh, what you got in that case there <laughs> yeah <laughs> turns out they were like scientists in a massive publishing deal played with diamond rio or whoever that's like right. that's right driving your car every single time <laughs> very sad but true yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, name of this podcast is a song could change your life, and and uh, so many of yours affect me, and and I I love so much of it, and it's tough narrowing down for this this particular episode, but but the one that is is just so consistent for me, um, and surprises me at times, and we'll get in that little bit of how much it affects me on a regular basis, but is is song called Here and Gone, and. And I typically, when we're producing shows with you, I sort of slot it toward the end of the show, and partly because it's it's an emotional song. And uh, if I if I do tear up, I, I can't see my drums, so I don't want that to bother me the whole show. <laughs> but um, what what uh, I want to what what project was that on? It was on um, the uh, labor of labor of love. love. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, um, so. Where did that where did the song idea come from for that? And was that a co-write or it's a co-write, yeah. I wrote it with Jason Reeves. Okay. Who's he's fantastic. Um, he's he's an Iowan. He moved to Nashville. I think I haven't seen him in a while, so I think he's actually moved to LA um, with his wife. They have a group called High Dive Heart, which is doing very well. Um, but uh yeah, I met Jason um, through Colby Calais, who is his long time name dropped yeah tour mate and well i mean it's true long time tour mate and um and co-writer he's done a lot of work with her and written a lot with her um when i f- had my congress hotel record uh colby opened my show are you kidding <laughs> yeah. that's funny that's awesome <laughs> she, she opened my show that's about as much uh contact as i've had with her since but um and uh yeah anyways so jason um has been around and i just been a fan of his writing and just him as a person for so long. We finally got together to write. And I remember we wrote at, um, on the row, I forget his publishing company, BMG, I think, but yeah. you know, they all have these writers rooms. And I mentioned this last night, the songwriting, it feels like it's so much work and you just constantly hate something and then hate it less and hate it less. Um, and there's very few times where I've written something and it's just been really easy. Like it's just, been as easy as writing it down you mm-hmm. know like oh yeah here it is let's just, mm-hmm. let's just write this down and that was another song that was like that where the 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 writing process was sort of a blur i remember we we had extra time that never happens <laughs> we had like a three-hour block we we spent 30 minutes catching up we spent maybe an hour writing the song and then we just <laughs> I think we spent another, I think we went to lunch or we spent another <laughs> half an hour. Like that never happens. You oh know? man, that couldn't. It never happens. I was like, man, I need to write with you more often. But, yeah, especially um, to get down, down with it and not obsess about going back over no, it and sandpapering I it. I didn't change a thing. None of us changed anything. And 
I always want to change something. I'm always, my brain never stops writing. It's torturous. It's tiring. Yeah. Um, so I don't listen to a lot of my music after I've written it. I put it on a record and I never listen to it again, mm. which becomes a problem when you play with a band. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We've, we've got with, with you, we're doing band arrangements and we're like, Ernie, isn't this how the recording went? I haven't heard the recording in years. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, but that song, nothing needed to be changed. Picking flowers in the pouring rain Just to see the flicker of a smile upon your face Even though I know both will fade away I'll do it anyway We are rising like the tide Where did the idea, uh, who broke it was it kick spurred up a conversation or did you walk into the session? It was my idea. I remember that. Um, I remember, I remember wanting to have a song that embodied the idea that life is constantly changing, that um, even our, our bodies are, are constantly regenerating. We have cells mm -hmm. that die. We have cells that are reborn. Uh, we are not physically the same person that we were a year or 10 years ago. We are not mentally. Our ideas change. Our beliefs change. What is it about us that makes us us? Mm -hmm. If it's not our ideas, if it's not our opinions, we could lose our memory. And then mm -hmm. if it's not that, if it's not our physical body, what is it mm -hmm. that makes us us? And I just started thinking about that and, um, and realizing that the present moment is the only moment that we really have. And this is not a new idea, obviously. But um, And then I started thinking about the people in my life and my own life and how quickly something can disappear, can change, and how much more important it is even to, to focus on the present moment um, with our own lives, with the people in our lives, because things change. Mm. Um, to be honest, when I wrote it, I, my, my parents are, you know, they're at the time they were aging. My dad is now 88. And I was thinking my dad has had all sorts of health issues growing up. And when I was uh, five, he had a massive heart attack that nearly killed him. And then when I was in high school, he had a series of massive heart attacks that nearly killed him. Like wow. he's on, he's on borrowed time. He really is. It's a, a miracle. And I never expected him, no one, even my dad, no one expected him to live as long as he has. And I've always been just like nervously awaiting the phone call that I'm going to get from my mom saying that something happened to my dad and appreciating the time that I have with him because especially since moving out of California, my parents are still there or my, my dad is still there. Um, every time I would leave, I would... I'd never know if this was the last time I was going to see him. Mm. And so I would, I would hug him and spend that time with him as if every moment that I spend with him is my last, because one of the times that I'm there, it will be my last right. and, I, and I'm not going to know. Yeah. The irony of it is that my mom, who has always been much better health, she's 10 years younger. Um, she's, you know, they sort of relied on each other. My dad couldn't see anymore. And so they, they were like yin and yang you know, helping each other out and, and um, getting through the world as a, as a team. Um, she had a, uh, a chronic lung disease that she just started as a cough and it just kind of never went away. And then it became more and more serious. And she saw some doctors that basically said, this is never, ever going to get better. And we had a, a conversation last year 
where she told me that, um, like, I don't want you to be sad. You know, this is something that is actually kind of relieving for me because I'm not looking for some cure that doesn't exist. Mm. I mean, she couldn't get up and walk from one end of the room to the other without wow. having full oxygen. And oh, wow. every move was a marathon for her at some point. So um, it was uh, it was really hard to see that. And then uh, last April, she had a really nasty fall, broke her neck, broke like eight different bones in her body. And there's nothing you can do because you can't have surgery. Uh, you can't have any pain medication. It'll, all of that will kill you. So um, she made a, a choice. She said, I, I, I want to be comfortable. I've had a great life with my family. And she had just gotten to, um, we'd uh, taken the girls out to, to come visit her just a month before. And she was so pleased that we got to do that. And she was just at peace with the decision. And wow. not, no, no fear? Not a, not a single bit of fear. Wow. My mom didn't fear. Wow. She, was, uh, she was a spitfire, and she had no regrets at all. She was a woman of faith. She had no doubt of where she was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was completely at peace with it. And uh, I was able to make it back to California just in time to say goodbye to her. And mm. So that's... What a great gift she gave to you guys to... to to, to put you guys in a position where when she passes, you guys, you guys feel not, it never feels good when someone leaves us, but, but she took that time to, to reveal to you guys, Hey man, I'm cool with this. I'm good with this. And I'm a part of me is looking forward to it, to There's, not be in such agony. Yeah. And she really struggled coughing. I mean, it was, I mean, not imagine not being able to breathe fully ever, you know, it's just to, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, she'd have moments where she would just break down and just be like, Jesus, just take me now. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm good with this. Yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. And then she would have moments where she'd be stronger, but she'd tell me she'd be very honest. And there was no question. And that was a gift because yeah. often you don't get that yeah. resolution with people. It still is hard, yeah. um, but it it could be so much harder. Yeah. Um, so it's the, it's the best of the worst situation. For me, it changed. It says this particular second, me and you talking on this podcast right now, it, in a few seconds from now, it's gone. It's over. And it it places a priority and urgency on those, on, those, on those individual seconds. We're always, at least in my life, I'm always looking behind or I'm looking forward. And, and, but there's just some amazing beauty in this, this exact second. That's what's here and gone. So because of that, the mundane becomes very special and royal, if you will. So having have a lunch with your daughters mm-hmm. for you, it's not just lunch. It's this very, very safe, almost sacred moment that an hour from now is going to be gone. And so it, it, it makes, you, makes you very alert and pay attention. And it's like, wow, that's a, that's a very powerful thing to grab onto. And if you can grab to on a consistent basis, it will change your life. It will. And it's extremely difficult to be that mindful, to remember in every moment, because the world's constantly slipping past us. Yeah. And we have worries and things that we're obsessing about in the future or things that happened in the past that we're obsessing about because we 
we want to change them, but we can't, or we're reliving something. And I don't know, all that stuff is, it's an illusion. I mean, yeah. our brain, our, our memories color um, the past in a way that may or may not have happened. Our, our brains project the future and obsess about fears that may never happen. Right. We may never get to that point. And yeah. we've missed the one chance we have to enjoy the people in our life because we've been in the past or in the future. It's very hard to, to do, but something I try to be mindful of. Well, that's, that's the power of music. I mean, that, that's one of the, the great values. I mean, when we say a song can change your life, is because you, I, I, you're, I'm drawn, like I was probably drawn to the song originally from, for m- melodic reasons. It sounded good to me. And then because it, because it sounded good, I wanted to hear more of it, and now it's it's ingrained in my brain. So I'll, I'll hum it and sing it, and then play it. Um, so to have those have those pleasant pleasant ways to remind us of that is really what's powerful. And that's why being a songwriter um, is such a powerful thing. Is because you have the ability to to verbalize and, and package this life changing concept without without making it sound too grandiose for you, but this life changing concept for people to grasp. In a, in a very digestible way and affects them and changes them so that so it reminds them I'm with you man you know one of the difficult things with Home by Dark through the years has been Bruce producing these shows and I have these great people like you come in is that you're always always looking like, especially in the middle of a show you're looking okay what song's next is the crew ready to tear down and load the truck you know is the merchandise people ahead you know all that stuff's going on and but here and Gone, for example, um, has reminded me, quite literally, to pump the brakes, man. You know, all that's going to take care of itself or, or whatever's going to happen. It could all fall apart. I don't care <laughs> because I'm not going to get this second again. Right. This is it. Man, what a, what a valuable thing for all of us to get. Well, living a well-purposed life, present, presently minded, is a happy thing, yes. even if it does end. Correct. Knowing that you, my mom lived every moment like it was her last, from the time that I can remember. She did whatever she wanted to do within reason. She never hurt anybody. Um, but that is another reminder to me. And she reached the end of her life with no regret and no, um, yeah, just she like she won basically. Yeah. You know, if that is the highest level you can reach here, then she, she, she nailed it. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think I'd like to achieve. Just reaching the end of my life, not having any regrets, knowing that I loved to the fullest and that no one in my life wondered about that. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. Wow. I think you're well on your way, my friend. And thank you. Uh, thank you for writing Here and Gone. It, it is uh, a song that's changed my life. And I think lots of others too. Thank you. We're here and then we're gone. We're here and then we're gone. We're here and then we're
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knabel. Theme music by Jim Hedinger. To learn how a song can change your life, go to homebydark.com.